welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin-Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as we discuss their journey with their voice and how they use it to support their passions and professions in media, education and the performing arts. My guest this week is Charlene Linton, the vocal alchemist for public speakers. She helps speakers transform nerves into confidence and power. Charlene helps people unlock their full potential and has worked with some big names across the industry. I've invited her onto the podcast to share her journey and experience and lift you all up with her success stories and ethos. After years of touring as a professional backing singer for artists like Adele, Smokey Robinson, John Legend and Nicole Shirtswinger, I'm excited to hear some of her backstage stories and learn from her tremendous experience. So welcome, Charlene. I'm so happy to see you. It's been a busy six years for both of us since we first met in Brighton. When we spoke at that time, you were busy flying all over the place for various tours and gigs. So I'd love to hear about how you've been and perhaps you can tell our listeners a bit more about what you're up to these days with your business. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for that lovely welcome. It's a pleasure. So we met training together didn't we yeah on a a course I really loved learning about all the different aspects of the voice so yes at that time I was definitely touring quite heavily traveling a lot and um since then I've really been focused on this question what is it that I am creating and I've really enjoyed supporting artists because being a backing vocalist <laughs> is is quite nuanced in in the sense that you're there you're there to sing with power you're there to to give all of your energy and your love and your support but it's not about you so it's kind of nuanced and it, it, it it's it's got this intricate play going on between being seen and not being seen which I really enjoyed And then I had to ask the question, okay, what is it that I am creating? Because I didn't want to get so kind of caught up supporting artists that I wasn't supporting me. And I got to a point some years ago where I decided that the constant travel wasn't for me. Um, I was going through some health challenges at the time, which was making it really difficult to to travel and to have that some that's that sense of well-being you know mm. so i decided to um create a career path where i was home more so i decided to take on more gigs in the uk and then those gigs were kind of challenging also for the health challenges that i was having and i then decided to get off stage completely and create a business where I could be home. Now, this isn't permanent. (laughs) I will be on stage again at some point, but I have really enjoyed the freedom to be able to create things according to my specific needs. And I love that about business and I love that about entrepreneurship, that you can literally create magic and that's what it is. So the work that I am doing um, with speakers, you know, we're on lockdown now. So everything's turning into a virtual experience. 
what I enjoy is that I can serve people in the States, I can serve people in the UK, all around the world from the comfort of my own home. And, you know, I can I can create courses and, and content and transformational, immersive experiences for people who really want to use their voice in a really powerful way. So I'm really enjoying what I've created. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. It really does. And I'm sure you're having lots of success because your experience, you bring that with you and you've, you've, you know, you've been there, seen that, done that. And you, your, um, your voice is, is, is one that's now coming through. It's really important. How did this journey start for you, Charlene? Let's go back to um, little Charlene <laughs> um, and just talk about how, how did you get into singing in the first place? What's your background there? It's such a funny story, you know. Um, I was singing with um, gospel choirs. I've, you know, got a background in, in gospel and church and everything. And I really wanted to sing and I was doing my degree at the time. Um, so I was singing with gospel choirs for, for a few years and I really, really, really loved it. But unfortunately, the, the, the infrastructure in the UK is such that you need to have a job if you're going to sing gospel because it it's not the most well paid. And I didn't want to have a job. <laughs> I was doing my degree and I really wanted to sing full time. <clears throat> so I was singing um, in choirs. I had a blast. I've had the best training in the world under, um, you know, gospel uh, directorship. And then I really wanted to break through into more mainstream, into pop. And so I was invited to go to a gig and uh, it's so interesting, you know, Lee, because I had a feeling that I was going to be asked to sing that night. I was just going as a guest. I was just going to be in the audience at the Jazz Cafe mm-hmm. watching this gig. I knew the artist and I was so sure that I was going to be asked to sing that I was doing my makeup and warming up my voice before I left the house. Mm. Like I was I was that full of faith and full of certainty and got to the gig and the artist is doing her set. And sure enough, she looks down at me into the crowd and she says, I know that you can sing. And she handed me the microphone and I took the microphone and everyone was looking at me and I just sang for my life. (laughs) (laughs) Can you remember what you sang? What did you sing? I was just improvising over whatever the band were playing. Okay. Just, I don't know what it was that I sang. (laughs) And um, the drummer who was playing on that gig, after the gig had finished, I remember we were talking and he just said, look, I'm the MD for Craig David and I would love for for you to come and tour with us. And then I did two world tours with Craig Mm-hmm. Then I started working with Corinne Bailey Ray, then Natasha Bedingfield, and then it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. Wow. And that event where I was so certain has become like a template for me. Mm. Like this is what certainty plus action equals opportunity. It's like my formula. And it was magic and <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, it's one of those sort of pivotal moments where, and it's great that you mm. had that sort of insight, that that internal feeling of 
I'm on the beginning of something here. This is my journey. You know, it's, it's great. It's great. I think with lots mm. of people do when you, you reflect back on your career, you do sort of see certain things as I was supposed to be there at that time in that moment for these things to trickle on from that. Does that make sense? Definitely. <laughs> so looking back then, reflecting back and and uh, your sort of journey from gospel in, into becoming a professional singer there, is there anything that you know now that you kind of wish you'd learned sooner or you could go back and tell your younger self? I mean, I know it's all a journey and it's all brilliant that you've you've got there now, but is there anything you wish you'd learned sooner? Do you know something? If I could tell my younger self anything, it would be to open my mouth sooner and sing. Because, yes, I had the success and I was touring, but I was still very shy. And so I would go to open mic nights with my singer friends who in my head are and were absolutely phenomenal. And I always felt a little bit intimidated to sing. Um, I didn't feel like I was good enough or that I kind of measured up. So I was fine to sing on the stage um, doing backing vocals, but to get up there and sing like the lead, mm. it was it was overwhelming for me. And so I never did it. But what I would say to my younger self is that my voice holds a lot of power. And I'm not just talking about my singing voice. I'm talking about my speaking voice. Mm -hmm. When I open my mouth, things are created. And I, I just wish I understood how powerful that was. But at the same time, you get to know yourself, don't you? Mm. you? You develop and you understand. You expand. Your being expands. Your understanding of who you are expands. And so I don't have any regret or, or remorse about that. But you don't know what you don't know. And now I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I completely hear you on this. Because it's, you know, obviously we can't go back and uh, tell ourselves. And, and I think the things we learn along the way are just necessary parts of our journey, aren't they? So we don't, I don't have any regrets about anything either. But there are, it's that little niggle sometimes. I do wish sometimes I'd have gone back, you know, could have gone back and sort of said, you are good enough. You know, you could go back and say, you are good enough. You got, you are valuable. You can use your voice, you know, those kind of uh, things. But yeah, that does, it comes through experience too, doesn't it? It does. But can I also say one thing? Mm. You know, what you've just said um, about telling yourself you are good enough, that's sparked something really important. And my ethos in regards to how I coach is this. Your internal voice is governing your singing voice. It is governing your speaking voice. And so your internal voice is creating an environment within you. What you're saying to yourself is either creating anxiety, fear, nerves, or it's creating love and power and freedom. And depending on the environment that you've created within yourself, that is where your voice emits from. And I can always hear when a singer is nervous. And one of my spiritual gifts is that I can hear frequency in people's speaking voices. I can hear what they believe, even if they're talking to me about their favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> I can hear their characteristics. I can hear energy and I can hear frequency. 
And it's all to do with where your energy is sourced from, depending on the environment that you create with your internal voice. So I just wanted to really say that. And, and it's probably the crux of what I teach and how I teach, because the internal voice feeds the external. Absolutely. Com- completely agree with you on this. This is where my coaching comes from, too, in terms of um, you know, I do work with singers, but mostly younger singers. Well, I mean, some older singers too, but, you know, I'm, I, I suppose I specialise in, the, in the, uh, the youth that are going to go on to professional um, full-time courses at 18. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I very much bring into my coaching because that age group as well is, is full of anxiety and full of fear and full of... In fact, there's been a lot of research. Um, one of my peers um, who works at um, one of the universities did a a survey with um, first year, first years on full-time MT courses. And it was ridiculously something like 85% of the first years on a sort of anonymous survey were confessing that they felt tremendous anxiety about singing in front of their peers. Mm. Even though you know that they've signed up to do a professional three-year course that's going to involve singing and dancing and, and acting, there's still tremendous anxiety. And these are the cream of the crop that got in the course. Mm. And you think, you know, it, there's something missing that, that we're sending our youth off to do. You know, they, they want to do it, but they're still wrapped up in fear of judgment and fear of what other people think. And they're not tapping into their, their internal voice and, and working on that. That's the bit that concerns mm. me about the, the youth of tomorrow, which is one of the main reasons that I've wanted to do the podcast and help people to um, tune into that internal voice. Yeah, because the other element to it is is about boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so you've got your internal voice, your internal space. And if you're not boundaried, then other voices get to penetrate that space. They get to land in that space and and you know, plant themselves in this in the soil and you've got these weeds growing due to what somebody else has said, but, but not just what they've said, but from what you've let in to your environment. And now there's these weeds that other people have planted and you're like, oh my God, I don't even like it in this garden. <laughs> yeah. But, it, it, you know, it really is about having the fortitude and making the decision that there is no voice that is going to enter your environment, even if it's created from you, that has the power to tell you anything that is a lie or illusory about Mm. who you are. And I find it so powerful to actually know who you are so that you know what to filter out and what to let in. So, yeah, I just, I feel like that's important too. It's really important. And it's such a shame that it doesn't seem to translate through education generally. Um, there's so much I think that you know we, you and I could talk about that we know now that we help people with with our coaching that you sort of think why didn't we learn this stuff when we were at school mm. <laughs> why why isn't this in the curriculum why, why are kids today not being taught about this well I, I feel like it's a case of you can't pass down what's not there to pass down and I don't think it's a part of collective consciousness yet mm to have the sort of boundaries that we're talking about. 
there are a lot of positive things in collective consciousness, but I wouldn't say that that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe in generations to come, that will be a thing. Like, don't listen to her. Why would you listen to that? That's not you. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. That kind of um, narrative in, in teaching. And that's not to say that that's not already happening, but I don't think it's a mainstream teaching. Yeah. How to be boundaried, how to love yourself, how to speak kindly to yourself. Um, and that would be beautiful to mm. see in future generations. Definitely. I really hope it does bleed through. So let's talk about some of your fun experiences then, Charlene. I'm dying to hear. Come on, what's the backstage gossip? <laughs> Is there any sort of, <laughs> you know, some uh, some light bulb moments that you've that you've seen or or experienced in your in your uh, your professional career when you were touring? You know, what can you pass on to our listeners? Words of wisdom. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. So there's a belief that the more hardworking you are is the more money that you earn. And my experience is the absolute opposite. (laughs) I'm telling you, I have done the hardest gigs for the lowest pay. But the positive has been that I've done the easiest gigs. And I'm talking easy, like... I am rehearsing one song and now we're in LA rehearsing for an entire week for this one song yeah. and being paid the most that I've ever been paid. And it really taught me that the whole thing about the work having to be hard is really a myth. Mm. And it really is about gravitate. Well, for me, it was, it was, I noticed that the easier the gig, the easier the the environment was socially even, like people being easy to get along with and there was no friction. Not that I've ever had that in my career, to be fair. Mm. But the easier it was, <laughs> it sounds so contradictory, <laughs> was the, the, the most I've, I was paid. And it just it helped me to understand about that concept of being downstream okay, and going with the stream and not against it. Like I didn't have to be in a paddle boat with an oar paddling upstream and it's hard and I'm sweating and I'm panting. Like literally allow the current to, to guide me down mm. and it's so much fun and it's easy and you know, the artist is amazing and the people that you're working with is amazing. <laughs> I got a feeling because... loads of money. Yeah, I was going to say, are we talking about preparing for the Academy Awards maybe? That was part of it, yeah. yeah. So um, with Adele, but it wasn't just the Academy Awards, but yes, we were in LA for a week rehearsing Skyfall, right? Yeah. But I just, it wasn't just the Adele gig. There were other gigs where it just was so easy and it was so much fun and the artists were so down to earth and fun mm. and the money was never an issue. And, and it, I think it woke me up a little bit in regards to money and beliefs about money, just that it doesn't have to be hard it just doesn't. And I know just some listeners out there, they might feel like, oh my God, well, earning money for me is really difficult. But 
even how I got that gig, <laughs> the Adele gig, I was in the Krispy Kreme car park at 11 p.m. <laughs> on, a, on a weekday evening. And I just received this call out of the blue. Okay. And this guy who I've never spoken to before in my life just said, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I've just wanted to let you know that I've put you forward for the Adele gig. And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I went to the audition. You know, I was a little bit nervous, as you, as you would be. And, you know, I was there with her management and with the other backing singer. And then Adele walks into the room and she sees me and she's like, oh, my God, hi. Like, she's known me all my life. And I was like, hi. So I gave her a big hug. <laughs> and then we sang together and, and, you know, made sure that I was a good fit and all of those things. But I was still like, how does Adele know me? It turns out that Adele had watched me perform backing vocals for another artist who used to be with her at Brit School. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. So she was, exactly. So she felt like this familiarity. Yeah. I had never seen her in the crowd. I had no idea. Mm. But she'd seen me perform with this artist. What I'm, what I'm saying to your listeners is that if you are steadfast and focused on what it is that you are creating, what you will discover is that the biggest opportunities that come to you come to you not because of hard work. They come to you because it's like these unseen forces are working on your behalf. And you walk into this scenario that you had no idea about and it just works out for you. And by the way, there were several other people who had auditioned for Adele. But as soon as she greeted me in the way that she did, I knew I had that gig. Mm. I just knew it. Yeah, it's and so warm. It's just, it was the most wonderful experience ever. Like, I'm even shaking my head right now because <laughs> I can't believe how simple and easy that was. Being on, on her gig, do you know something else that I will say? because I've talked about how, how easy it all was. But do you know that up, up until that point, I was always singing soprano on gigs. I am not a natural soprano. I can get up there and I can do it, but I'm not a natural soprano. And I get on the Adele gig and I'm now singing alto tenor. Like, I don't even have to warm up. <laughs> yeah, because, it's just there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just there. And I'm, when I'm talking about ease, mm. I just felt supported in every single way. Every single way I felt supported. And it was just easy. And I, I feel like 2011, when I got on her gig, I feel like I finally came into my own. You know, when you've been doing things in a way that doesn't quite fit you, like singing soprano and, and doing that kind of thing. And then you get onto a gig where you're like, oh, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt like I was home. And from then, I can start creating more scenarios where it fits me and where I am home. So then I started to tell people, no, I'm not a soprano. If you need a soprano, I can recommend people. I'm an alto. So you can start having boundaries about that mm. so that it's always easy. So I didn't even plan to say this, but <laughs> I really felt inspired to say that, you know. 
that's a fantastic way of putting it. And I, it, it sounds to me it's like when you find your lane and you feel like you've come home and everything slots into place and you go, oh, this is what it should be like. <laughs> I'm not, like you say, I'm not fighting upstream yes. all the time. I'm just, I found the right lane for me. And and the right people will gravitate to, and notice that, you know, and you come across so much more at ease in your own skin when you're in your own lane, right? Definitely. Definitely. I mean... I just, I believe in things being a right fit and Mm. I believe in things being easy. They're not easy all the time, but I think the ease is based on decisions that you can make. You can have standards about your experiences. I don't believe in things happening to you like you're some spectator of your own life or that things are happening to you like you're almost being a victim of life I really believe that you can make a decision and choose based on those standards that you've set for yourself and if ease is one of your values or whatever your values are you can really stick to your guns and be like no this is the experience I want to have and so whatever experiences come into my life that fit this brief then that's what it is It's interesting because the speakers that I work with, they are very clear about what it is that they want. A hundred percent of the time, they want more confidence and they want to enjoy the tone of their own voice because they'll listen back to a recording and kind of cringe. So those are the two top things that they want. And it's interesting because just some singers, not all, didn't know what they wanted. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they didn't know what they were entitled to, what they were allowed to have, or if it was even possible to have it. So a lot of like independent or unsigned artists or session singers, they really, really want to be artists or they really, really want to sell out tours and do different things. But they come to me and they say, I just want more wedding gigs. Now, there's nothing wrong with a wedding gig at all, but that's not what you want. Mm. And it's that thing of daring to really ask for what it is that you really, really want and allowing your mind to expand into believing that that's even possible for you. And I say that that's not what they really want because when I delved a little bit further in every single case, It was the truth Mm. that they wanted this thing, but they didn't really believe that they could have it. And so I guess with with public speakers, superstardom isn't often what they want. They just want to feel powerful in their voice. But with singers, there there is often this big gap between where they are right now and where they want to be. Yes. And the, the thing is, if you don't believe it's possible then the ideas don't even come to you as to the first steps to take. Like you're creatively blocked because you don't believe that it's even possible for you. Mm. What do you find most valuable in caring for your voice? I'll be honest and say that the first port of call in regards to vocal health is how you actually think about your voice in the first place. If you believe that your voice is just this thing um, that doesn't need a lot of care, 
then there are going to be habits that you cultivate that are really damaging. But I see it like this. This is the way I see the human voice because we are the only biological instruments on the planet, right? Yeah. So if you're at a gig and for example, on this particular gig, there's a harpist and the engineers, the crew are loading in this massive harp. They would be so careful with it. There would probably be three or four guys loading in this harp. And then once it's on stage, they would polish it or they would make sure it's not dusty and make sure the strings don't have any polish on it so that the harpist can play fluidly. And, you know, they would make sure the temperature's right and, and, and just make sure that the harp has all the conditions that it needs to really thrive and sound its best. That's the way I see the human voice. The human voice is the most precious thing on the entire planet. And when you really look at yourself as an awesome wonder, like my God, there is something within my DNA that when I express air over my vocal cords, it sounds like this. And my sound is so unique and when I sing like this, it impacts people like that. When you see yourself and your voice as an awesome wonder, one of a kind, cannot be duplicated, cannot be replaced, instrument that has the power to create new political landscapes, new environments socially and culturally, you're going to take care of that bad boy. Yes. And you are going to love the hell out of it. And you are going to treat it like it's the most precious thing. So it's not about saying hydration is the first step. Mm. The first step is I love this voice so much. What can I do for it to make it happy? <laughs> yes. Like how can I, how can I like how of, how many hours does it need like to, to feel of sleep? Does it need to feel amazing? And hmm, when I drink two and a half liters a day, that feels better than one and a half. My voice loves that. And when I warm up my voice and I've had enough sleep and I've had enough water and I've, I've eaten my favorite foods, my voice is firing. And I always want my voice to feel and sound like that. That is vocal health. I love this answer. Thank you so much. You're absolutely right. We have to value above everything else, the wonder that is the human voice. We can change so many things uh, with using it. It's, it's the most precious and wonderful thing in the world. Mm. And I think that singers don't understand who they are. They don't. Yeah. And because, especially in places like London, places like Brighton, there are so many singers and they're all going after the same gigs or so they think. Mm. that it can become a thing of singers are a dime a dozen. They're not a dime a dozen. Mm. It's, it's, it's rooted and coded in your DNA. That, that is something that no one else can replicate. You cannot replicate DNA. <laughs> Absolutely. You just can't. Every voice is completely so, unique. Definitely. But when you understand that your body is constructed as a living, breathing, walking, talking instrument then you start to understand oh my god I am precious 
I am more precious than that harp. Yes. And I'm going to take better care of myself than that harp. Yes. That's, that's what this is. I really, <laughs> I'll go even as far to say that if the human voice was a, an instrument outside of the body, I feel like it would be worshipped. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's that powerful. I feel like it's that amazing. So let me ask you how you feel about others, other people's voices. Who are the voices that inspire you? My two top favourite singers in the entire world are Layla Hathaway and Misha Paris. Oh, my God. Even talking about them now gives me goosebumps, honestly. Okay. Um, I remember I've always been a fan of Layla Hathaway's recorded music, but I'd never heard her live until maybe eight years ago. Okay. And I heard her live at the Jazz Cafe. It was the first time that she'd ever come over to London. And I wanted to fall at her feet. Wow. And... <laughs> have her have her rock me like a baby oh my goodness <laughs> and take care of me <laughs> because she I I really adore that she is in her sovereignty as mm. queen of her own voice and her tone and she treats the voice like play yeah it's, your voice is literally a your own plaything, and the way that she scats, the way, I mean, I don't know the exact term for singing two notes at once. I can't remember the, t- the oh, term well, for it. It's like overtone singing. That's it. Yeah. When I heard, because she, she sings um, chords. I have seen this. <laughs> I've seen, yeah, I've seen this really famous clip that went viral many years ago yeah. where she sang. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one that she got the Grammy for. Uh-huh. And um, I love play. And I think the voice is play, just like if you were to get a keyboard out Mm -hmm. and play with different chords. That's exactly what the voice is. And Misha Paris, oh, my God, hearing her sing live is a masterclass. And again, I want to bow at her feet and kiss them. (laughs) Oh, amazing. (laughs) Because her voice is so powerful to me. And what I love about Misha is that her voice is so effortless. Mm. She doesn't even have to try. And she's got me all in goosebumps and a pile of goo. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. When I watch singers live, I love to look at their face. Mm. And Layla Hathaway's face when she sings, she could be reciting the alphabet. (laughs) That's how comfortable she is. Mm. And I love that. I think that is true mastery and I am obsessed with mastery. I love it. I think you've covered this, but this is kind of like my final question to you, which is what is vocal freedom to you? But it does sound like the way you're describing the use of the voice as an instrument and, and having that freedom is, is kind of that, but I'd, I'd love to hear what your answer to that question is. Well, again, for me, vocal freedom is play. Vocal freedom, and I'm saying, all right, okay, I'm responding to the voice in my head Mm -hmm. as it's kind of dropping in. (sighs) Vocal freedom is the uninhibited expression of your genius. It is the absolute, precise expression of mastery. It is your absolute expression of your decisions of your knowledge expressed in audio 
It is the sound of your divinity. It is the sound of your confidence. <laughs> There's so much I could say about it. But it, it's just the uninhibited you at your genius. That's a perfect way of putting it, Charlene. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. Thank You're you welcome. so much. I just, I am head over heels and I'm getting emotional. Head over heels in love with the voice mm. is the expression of your power. Yeah, and we need more people to know uh, that. We need more people to know that, don't we, really? In terms yeah. of, you know, we, you know, I don't know if we want to go on, off topic at all, but I've been really following the US election. Um, yes. And, the, you know, someone needs to really have a word with Trump, don't they? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm fascinated with him, you know. I check, I check, yeah. check Trump news every day. Me too. Like, what's he doing next? I I'm know. I'm fascinated with him. I'm I'm fascinated with him in the kind of in a morbid curiosity way, but I'm I'm really like I really feel like him and, and his lawyer Rudy Giuliani just really think that the whole world is is their reality show, <laughs> and that you know they're trying to come up with these other plot twists for the new season. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it really is. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's what it feels like because it's so yeah. it's so made up at this point. They're just literally making up things to try and. Uh, try and break the law that's how I see it I, I, I don't um yeah. I don't believe that, that all the silly court cases in the world that they're going to try and bring are going to make any difference to the results he lost the election let's just face it he yeah. lost the election I mean I'm I'm fascinated in the reality show you know like this season on Trump yeah <laughs> this, <laughs> you know yeah it's like America and, and the fact that half of the United States have been sucked into that and some of them now aren't watching any actual news stations because they believe they're all phony. They're not mm. watching any um you know listening to 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 what's going on in reality. Their 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 reality is what he's tweeting. Do you know why I'm fascinated by him? Because Trump knows how to create using his voice. There is that. The reason why He's created such a movement like no other politician has is because when you believe in the sovereignty of your voice, you will always attract a mass following. It's just the law. So no matter what it is that you're saying, when you believe in the power of your own voice and you use your voice, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on the podium, you will always attract mass following. And <laughs> I mean, ignore what he's saying for a second. Yeah. And just look at the power behind it. And there is a there is a nugget there for anyone to mm. take for their own voice. <laughs> yeah. You may not want to take it because it's Trump, but I'm telling you, it's the truth. No, it it does make sense. You're right. Lots of people do listen to his voice um, scarily because he's not always spouting true things. But, but you're right. I mean, just the fact that he's got the, um, he's got the nerve, I guess, to stand up there and and claim what he believes to be the truth. And lots of people will go along with that. Yeah. But it's like, if you, there was a, like a compilation of interviews that I watched of him talking about how he's the best at everything. Oh my goodness. Doesn't he? <laughs> and he, <laughs> he was saying, Oh, I've given the most to the black community. Oh, I'm the best at that. And I'm the best at this. And I've given the most and I do the best. And there is something to be said about unshakable self-belief 
that causes people to be inspired to follow you no matter what. It's what Beyonce has done. It's what Bruno Mars has done. All of the stars that shine the brightest have unshakable, Usain Bolt, Serena Williams, unshakable belief. It's true. it, it, It creates wealth. It creates a following. It creates visibility. I'm telling you, there's something in it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Is there anything you've got coming up that you'd love to tell our listeners about? How can they come and uh, interact with you? The best way to connect with me is on Facebook. I have a group called the Confident Speakers Corner. It's a free group. You just have to answer the questions to gain entry. And that's where I really nurture speakers. Uh, It's for entrepreneurs who are online. It's for people who want to do keynote speeches. You can also connect with me on Instagram. I post some content for singers at Charlene, the vocal alchemist. I'm on YouTube also, my vocal therapy. But the primary place that I am is Facebook. Okay. You've come at a really good time, actually, because I'm in the midst of my own interview series. And it's, um, it's live to the Facebook group. So there's lots of replays there and um, there's a new one coming up next week as well. Amazing. (laughs) So cool. Thank you again for um, spending some time with me today, Charlene. It's been really lovely to just listen to your voice and and learn from your wisdom. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love it too. Anything else you'd like to finish with? I just wanted to say thank you for this space to talk about what it is I love, um, what it is that we both love. And I think even talking about what it is that you love, it helps you to create more of what you love. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom, feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links, and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.